You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends, a Q1 Network production. I love visiting with entrepreneurs. I mean, frankly, they they make the world go round in many ways. No disrespect to people that aren't entrepreneurs. But if it weren't for entrepreneurs creating stuff that we all need and use, we'd be left, left to, up to our own device and have to figure that out for ourselves. And in my case, I'd, I'd be in a cave somewhere, probably naked, because I'm not good at anything other than asking people questions. I particularly am a fan of entrepreneurs that are involved in social entrepreneurism, where part of their mission is addressing the human condition. Part of their mission is to make life better for people that they're concerned about, or everyone for that matter. And sometimes I don't know if we have enough entrepreneurs that are is motivated in that space, no judgment against folks, but social entrepreneurs, especially in this day and age where young people, as an old guy, I can say that, young people are really aggressively working to make a difference because they care and they love people. And then when they're incorporating technology, that means they're scary smart, scary great people, and that is just awesome. And I'm so excited today to have two people that do that. And to introduce them, I, I want to read just a little bit from a press release that went out July 20th. Digital Bank for Natives launches in Indian country. The only neobank, if that's a new term for you, we'll talk a little bit about that. The only neobank for natives is partnering with tribes to improve financial health and access to benefits for Native Americans nationwide. That is a big undertaking and so important. And I'm so excited to have with me today the co-founders and partners for my totem. It is dot app. We'll talk more about that. The CEO, Amber Booker, and the CTO, Richard Chance. Amber and Richard, it's great to see you. Thank you for taking time to join me today. How are you? And I'll go to you first, Amber. How are you? Oh, thank you. I'm great. <laughs> I'm I'm great. Um, it's a beautiful day here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the end of the day. So it's nice to be wrapping things up with you as we're recording here. And yeah, just excited to dive in. What about you, Richard? How are you today? <laughs> hey, I'm great too. Down here in Yukon, uh, Oklahoma, it's nice and sunny for once and a little hot outside, but that's okay. So, yeah. <laughs> how, how far are the two cities from, from each other? So there's debate about this. So it depends on whether you are Richard's wife driving or a normal person driving. <laughs> what is it? Uh, two hours if you're like a slow goer like us, right, Richard? How how fast can your wife do it? I think an hour and five minutes. So. <laughs> so, I think I'm going to edit that out. Just, <laughs> in Just anywhere in between one and two hours apart. Yeah, right. But, well, let's let's start with a real easy question. I, I want to know how the two of you met. And then after that, I'm going to talk about the, the things that took place, the discussions that said this is something we need to do. So how did the two of you meet? Amber. Yes. So we met through a group called Natives in Tech. Um, it's a nonprofit that I'm on the board of, and it's an incredible group really designed to increase visibility of technology as a career path for Native people, um, doing really cool things like the Lakota AI Code Camp that they just finished up teaching kids how to code and at the same time revitalize their languages. Um, just a lot of really good stuff that they do, but primarily they create a space for folks to create open source tools, network with other technology professionals. And I basically sought Richard out. I hunted him down. 
<laughs> through Natives in Tech, um, was looking for folks that were Native and had his skill set and basically just started stalking him on LinkedIn until he uh, agreed to talk to me. <laughs> so, so Richard, um, here's the most logical question. When your wife found out another woman was stalking you, <laughs> how, how did that go over at the dinner table? <laughs> interesting question. I mean, it was fine. I mean, uh, yeah. So, one expecting that one, but yeah, it was, it was, it was fine. Okay. Well, I that's neat. I, my my, but before I get to your your upbringing and your roots and, and that kind of thing, the other thing I'm really curious about is, and maybe this is was your idea first amber where where did you arrive at a place in your life because you you're attorney by education you've you've had a very unique background before this you're very skilled very sharp and talented where did you start thinking i, I or somebody needs to find a way to address uh, my brothers and sisters, in this case, Native Americans, so many that are unbankable and are invisible when it comes to the financial world that so many of us, uh, white folks, are, are so accustomed to. Where did you start thinking about that's a place for you to be? Yeah, well, I just kind of fell into a career in banking. That was definitely not something that I intended to do. Um Money was something that we did not talk about in my house growing up. Uh, it was just like a very touchy, difficult subject. So we just didn't talk about it a lot. Um, as a result, you know, I made some mistakes with credit cards as a young person. And, um, you know, eventually through falling into that career in banking, realized how much I was missing out on kind of fully participating in the financial system and um, decided to to kind of do something about it and change that path. And that kind of led me to an event that was where, the seed for Totem was really planted, but it was really interesting to go back to your question about how Richard and I met and my quote unquote stalking of him. Um, I can quote myself. Uh, you know, it was really interesting because Richard uh, was running a incredibly successful business, developing apps for customers doing his own thing. Right. And so I reached out and he was like, I'm, you know, this is interesting. I'm on these big projects, but like, come back to me. And I was like, Oh, great. I'll never hear from him again. But I did. Um, we did actually end up talking after that time had lapsed. And he, what he told me, and I don't want to like put words in your mouth, Richard was like, this was interesting enough for me to, you know, think about. And I think a lot of that Richard perhaps was because like, you also understood this kind of money situation, like how folks like us grow up. So I'll let you kind of fill in the blanks there. Yeah. So definitely when I heard about Totem and Amber's vision, I mean, it was just something I've always wanted to uh, jump into and help uh, growing up as a self-taught developer. I'm always looking for causes to help my uh, community and, you know, Native Americans in general. So uh, hearing about Totem was just something that really inspired me to like quit everything I'm doing, right? To jump onto this and like, hey, where, when do we start? You know, let, let's get it going. So, And the real motivator is that human condition that I mentioned earlier about you're convinced that this is um, a digital opportunity to, I don't want to say level of playing field that's overused and maybe inappropriate, but give people in this case, fellow native Americans, an opportunity to address their financial condition in a way that they might not have been able to, because so many for whatever reason are unbankable compared to some others. And so that was really what inspired you, Richard. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, just to take a step back. So what, what we are is a Neo bank is basically just a digital bank 
right? So it's it's just like your typical bank that you would have on the corner, but instead of having a location on the corner, we have a location in the palm of your hand on an app on your phone. And so what we're really doing is working to get more of our people banked. So get them actually access to checking accounts and things like that, uh, grow their credit scores and access financial, uh, access information about their tribal benefits. Um, we're also looking to partner with tribes and we'll talk more about that. That's, um, but, but at bottom, yeah, what we're looking to do is get more of our people access to the financial system. Uh, Native Americans are the largest group of unbanked people in the country. When you look at other racial and demographic groups, um, we have some theories about why that is that I'm sure we can go into, but we feel like we're creating an offering that alleviates a lot of the concerns suspicions, traumas, um, or is designed to alleviate some of those just by nature of who we are and how we're approaching finance, financial literacy, uh, assumptions about how people deal with their money, um, giving, giving our people essentially a safe space to not just store their money, but also figure out ways to, you know, grow their credit and access those basic building blocks that you need to participate in the modern economy. Mm. I'm going to talk about neobanking in a second. Thanks for giving that wonderful detail, Amber. So I'll say something with, without having to necessarily disparage or target folks that are in the financial industry where they might, they might not intentionally be making decisions that don't favor other people, but they're clearly... Um, systemic choices people make based on whatever uh, criteria they're given or used to make decisions that could really impact other people. So I'm going to kind of just say it that way. Yeah. So neobanking, because that might be a new term for a lot of folks, because it isn't that it's like 15, 16 years old. It really started if, if I'm correct, it really started during the Great Recession in that 2007, 2008 area where the financial systems collapsed. That, that's, what, that's what happened. And people scrambled to figure out ways to stay relevant in terms of financing something or their own personal financial condition. And people, rightfully so, started to have even more an uncomfortable sense, if you will, of certain institutions. The financial is one of them. People started saying, maybe there's a better way. And that's where neobanking really started to um, become relevant. It, it really grew in popularity outside of the United States at first, thus neo Neo banking and and then it obviously just started taking place uh, yeah, here as well. Is that a pretty good? Yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting that you tracked it back to the uh, the great financial crisis because that is actually the root of so much of modern finance today. Um, the things that happened in that era with regard to regulation, but also just the broader uh, impacts that we saw from that in terms of consumer trust of the financial industry as a whole um, really shifted. So I I came of age, um, I was graduating high school when, when that was occurring. And so that was a really formative time for me financially. And I remember... It's funny that I ended up in a career in banking because I actually remember very much blaming banks, blaming this, you know, huge out of control system that um, can not only be really extractive at times, but also can decimate people's lives with, you know, the stroke of a pen. And um, I, yeah, I, I grew up very aware uh, because of my age at that time of just the massive responsibility that exists in the financial system. And it also made me not trust a lot of financial institutions. And I still struggle with that, even, <laughs> even with what I'm doing today. Um, just, and I think that that's something that our our people, and obviously this isn't everyone, certainly there are a number of amazing, very high up senior Native folks that work in huge institutions like Goldman and Wells Fargo. 
but by and large, I think that our people still have a little bit of distrust, uh, a little bit of, um, yeah, distrust is, I guess, the best word to put it, trauma around uh, the government and the financial system as a whole. And so that's really something that we are very conscious of uh, taking this new approach. So so just to give people a little bit of the nuts and bolts behind what it means to be a neobank, where that means we fit into the financial system. So the financial crisis that we were talking about was primarily perpetuated by very, very large, what we call, you know, too big to fail banks today. Um, banking as a neobank is typically a very different proposition where it's called banking as a service is what the model call is called. And what that means is that a financial institution, typically a community bank that has below 10 billion in assets. There are some legal reasons why that's this is this group, the group that does it. But typically very small community banks will say, you know, we're really good at holding deposits, having FDIC insurance, having this regulatory oversight, um, and, and having, you know, just sort of that stability of being embedded in the financial system, having access to the payment rails. What we're not really good at is developing products, uh, user interfaces, user experiences, being very nimble, being able to change. Um, those things are the things that traditional banks are not very good at. And those are the things that technologists like Richard and, you know, product folks and fintech, you know, aficionados, uh, enthusiasts like myself are able to do. And so what, what we do in banking as a service and building neobanks is that essentially this community bank holds the deposits on their ledger and that's how we get FDIC insurance. And then Totem builds the app, the user interfaces, how the products work, what the rules are, um, what you need to get approved for an account. We manage all of that in partnership with that traditional bank. And so um, myself and Richard, we're both native. I'm Choctaw, he's Cherokee. And what we're really trying to do is partner within the system, but create a framework that can build financially relevant tools for for our people and the set of exciting like challenges and opportunities that they face, including accessing things like tribal benefits that are a source of unique wealth that other people don't have access to. So really trying to work within the system to uh, create a space that can be completely ours and built for us, by us, and through the lens of our financial experiences. Mm. That was awesome. We could almost stop right now, but we're not going to. <laughs> Banking as a service acronym, almost badass. Badass. <laughs> a lot like of people that. call it BAS, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for folks that might not be familiar with, it's not, not technically an a, a acronym, but FinTech is financial technology. Um, and you can't separate neobanking and fintech and other like uh, banking as a service, by the way. Uh, I, I just want to dig into, and you don't even have to respond to this, but I think the timing is so perfect. We're not much different today than we were at that financial critical time when you were graduating from high school in 2007 or in high school where it, it sure appears that there's a little bit of instability in the financial condition for a lot of, you know, we have inflation. Um, we, we have lots of real and maybe not as real crises that are impacting financial markets, but more importantly, I don't know if there's an institution anywhere right now where people feel real comfortable with it anymore. And it's just because we're so divided, divided on so many things, right? So we, we look at institutions and say, well, what, what are they doing? And this is one of them, that, that financial area where people are uncomfortable. In fact, I just had lunch today and I was talking about, you know, I'm going to be interviewing these really neat people. And then I, I shared with him that, and he's a social entrepreneur too, by the way, I shared with him that I knew of other people that were in like 
space. Anita Posh, who's a, a Bitcoin evangelist, she, she's from Austria, is absolutely convinced that cryptocurrency, in her case, Bitcoin, helps people that are unbankable in parts of the world. And she's focused on Africa. My wife and I met a person as a result of a technology summit that we used to sponsor years ago in another city. And one of the keynotes, uh, Heidi Metz, started a company called Imani, which was going to use blockchain to do the same thing in other parts of the world where people are so unbankable, they don't have access to cash. If they have cash or money, whatever that might be, they're at great risk of being robbed or killed when they have it. So we're at a time where um, alternatives are really important. And so back to the conversation, we started talking about cryptocurrency, for example, and how people are so skeptical of it. I said, why, why would you be skeptical? It's new. We're always kind of skeptical of something new. People think it's a pyramid scam. People think this. And, and some people are saying, how can you trust it? And I said, isn't that funny? Because a lot of people don't trust their financial institutions now. So why wouldn't you trust something uh, new? Yes, there's volatility, but there's volatility in the markets now, period. So I applaud you for using technology and uh, with your desire to address the human condition. Richard, this is a question I have for you. You you are experienced at designing uh, apps. You're a digital guy. When when you stop and think about where you're going and the impact that could have, my question is this: all the apps, all of the technology that you've been involved in previous to today. Are any, even collectively, are they as important as my totem? You know, that's interesting. I'm worked on several projects at a span of over several years. Um, I don't think that any of them even touch down with what my totem is bringing to the table. As far as, you know, for our people, for us by us, giving something to our, you know, our people, right? So it just, it's just a good, really good feeling. And I think for me, I'm just passionate about giving back to our tribes and our, you know, our community. So I think for me, it's uh, it's something special to be able to work on this project and, you know, give back. So hmm. that's and a good Richard, question. <laughs> well, and Richard has worked on some really significant things too. I mean, he's built apps for trucking companies, for library systems. I mean, he got into developing because his kids needed a sight reading app to learn like sight words and he couldn't find one that he liked. So he decided to just build it himself. <laughs> so he's definitely seen a lot in terms of, um, you know, people that are really trying to solve problems. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. And that, that is really a cool story. I'm going to ask you another question, Richard. And I'll tee it up this way because of later, I'm going to come back and ask Amber something similar. Everyone, before their feet hit the floor in the morning, almost everyone is thinking about something. Some people are thinking that they're already they're already wound up because they're they're so nervous about the day, or there's anxiety, or I might have to fire somebody, or I have to hire somebody, or somebody's not going to show up. Well, I don't have enough money. Or well, you have this great project in front of us. Just all sorts of things. And some people don't do that at all. They think about the time with them and their maker. They're, they're, that's, that's their devotional time. Before your feet hit the floor now, tell me about your, your thought process today versus before you and Amber ever talk. What, tell me what the difference is like now. <laughs> Good question. So I think the difference for me now, when I wake up before my heat uh, hit the floor, I'm thinking about what can I do more for this my totem app 
for the security to be in place, you know, to protect their people's, you know, money, right? So, and having said that, we're doing several things involving security, working with, you know, third-party vendors to make sure, you know, our people's money is safe, right? So, before my feet hit the floor, that's what I'm thinking about, things to improve the app. So, when we launch, you know, it's the best app you're ever going to get, right? So, you don't have to worry about security issues and, you know, just all that great stuff. Hmm. Remember, Amber, thank you, Richard. I'm going to come back and later and ask you a similar question. But my, here's my next question. The how to how do you generate? And if this is information you don't want to talk about, please just let me know. How, how do you generate fees? There has to be some kind of a mechanism where fees are generated. And, and then a second part of that question would be, with or without the fees, tell me about the process of partnering with tribes and how beneficial that is to each individual tribe and your total uh, endeavor and organization. Absolutely. We are more than happy to talk about how we make money. Um, if anyone's ever not willing to tell you how they make money, <laughs> you should press harder, I think, uh, just in general as a life rule. Um, no, so we uh, we make money in a, in a way that is kind of hidden from the typical end consumer a lot. But basically, if you think about your debit card that's attached to your checking account, every time you go to a gas station and swipe that debit card and pay for something, your gas, your donuts, whatever, um, your gas station is paying the credit card networks and the bank that gave you that card, basically for the privilege of being able to accept cards as a form of payment. So the merchant themselves, the person that you're buying something from, the business owner, uh, is paying the bank, the card networks for the privilege of being able to accept cards because that's how we all want to pay. So that's called interchange fees is what the, those fees are called. And uh, we get interchange fees because we're the folks that are issuing your you, issuing you your totem debit card. And what we do with those fees uh, kind of ties into your question about how we're partnering with tribes. So we are looking to partner with tribes that want to actually white label our app so that instead of it being totem and it's purple and yellow and this is what it looks like, it could actually be, you know, my tribe's app that has a name that they chose, maybe in our language, um, you know, your native language is going to be on your sign-in page, you're going to have information about what the tribe is up to. You're going to be able to look at your tribe's benefits really clearly and concisely. Um, it's going to have your colors, your feel, um, all of that good stuff. And when you, as a tribal member of that partner tribe, swipe your debit card, some of those fees still come to us here at Totem, but we also share a portion of that revenue with our tribal partners. So those funds can go back, depending on the tribe, we're very open, we're exploring a lot of different ways to do this, it could go back into the general fund, but we're also looking at opportunities to be really specific about, you know, this money is going to go into a scholarship fund, and that's what it's set aside for. Um, so just depending on the tribal community, their needs and desires, we're very flexible to set that program up in a way that works for everyone. Um, but the, at the end of the day, we're able to make our money from a system that is already in place that completely makes sense where your merchants are paying for a service. Our end users are not the ones that are paying us. It's a fee-free checking account with no minimum balances. Um, and so, so we're able to give the people a great FDIC insured free product that the merchants that are already paying for this financial system are, are essentially paying for. And some of that is going to subsidize the tribes who partner with us um, at a commercial level. Mm. And so, um, yeah, that, that's how the bulk of the fees are made. Tribes do um, tribes are customers of ours because we're building them a custom app, as you would imagine. Um, but we're able to, like I said, help them actually share so that it's a win-win. So if the tribe white labels our app, they say, here, all of our people, we want you to use this. We want to perhaps distribute your tribal benefit payments directly into these accounts so that we're not having to send out really expensive paper checks or prepaid cards. Um, basically, you know, the tribe wins the citizen wins and um and we keep doing what we were going to do anyways <laughs> mm. 
That's a great. I, I yes, the tribes are customers. I, but the way, the way you just explained it, I think they're more, in my opinion, more of a partner really than they are customers. So they're partner customer. Which oh, and I'm going to ask you a question about R and R in a second, Richard. But Amber, you just made me think of something when you said swipe a debit card for a donut. A couple things. I don't have a debit card. I, I try not to use my credit card. I try not to buy almost anything online. I'm one of those guys. I go through the line. I'll even write a check. And people <laughs> look at me, who is that old fellow? Why, why is he? Because I don't want so much of my information out there. That's just me, right? But donuts. I went to this. Really? Because your check has your routing number, your account number, your address. You would know, rather my use wife, that? My wife says that too, but it's just, just something about. Yeah. Gives me, <laughs> What yeah, that check has a lot more information out there than you think it does, but it also is a lot more expensive for everyone in the system. That's the trick with checks. It costs an average of between two and four dollars to send a check. It costs thirty cents to send an ACH or electronic payment. Oh, no, I'm um, have to edit this out because my wife's just gonna. <laughs> I mean, she's just gonna. She's gonna get you. But the donut yesterday. <laughs> okay. I stopped by this donut shop. And I paid $3.75 for this donut. Okay. It was an espresso chocolate donut with the, the espresso coffee bean on the top and this really funky looking frosting. <laughs> what I didn't realize was how much of it was stuffed into the donut. I bit into that thing and I was in seven. I, I'm sure it was 1,250 <laughs> calories. But it was really, really special. Worth Richard, every drop. <laughs> it's called Sandy's Donuts, by the way. Um, not as good as Mojo Monkey over in the Twin Cities, but Sandy's is really, really good. R&R, which for me in this case is um, research and replicate. So based on how Amber just explained the, the this process. I'm, I'm saying to myself, this has the potential to be so big and so much, I'm going to call it back office activity, which is where you are. That's where your space, Richard. Are you finding um, like entities that are already in play, already exist where you can build a relationship with somebody and kind of rip and replicate what they're doing to help you get ramped up. Or are you creating all of this on your own? Did that make that question make any sense? Do you mean as far as the software? Yeah, I think like, any, like well, like vendors versus what we're building. There's there's apps, uh, mobile apps similar to what Totem is building as far as. Uh, registering and get them a, getting a card right but as far as like what we're putting into the app there's not an app on earth like it as far as a uh, community and everything we're putting inside of it yeah so think, Amber, use... what what options are there's different yeah i mean so in terms of like what's replicable and what we're having to build on our own i think that the whole reason why now for this, why we're building this now is because we've reached a point in fintech where the space has matured incredibly fast around the banking as a service model. And so there are so many things now that if you wanted to start a digital bank, as Richard was kind of alluding to, there are you know a lot of different digital banks out there. There are digital banks for pets and people that graduated from a certain college and doctors. I mean, you name it, there's probably a special bank out there. Um, for you. But what what's great about that is that the basic building blocks of infrastructure that we need, like know your customer checks and um, connecting using Plaid to connect with all your other bank accounts, those things are all ubiquitous and very well tested and very built up. And there are several competitors in the space now. So we've reached a point where the technology has just become so mature, so cheap, because there are more people in the space that we are 
able to pull in best in breed products in a lot of areas. For example, fraud detection, I know is something that Richard and I were on a call just today with our fraud provider talking about all of the amazing things that they can do to, you know, make sure that someone is not using a synthetic identity, aka has stolen someone's identity um, to, to, to bank and things like that. I mean, things that are so technologically, not just sophisticated, but um, narrow in their focus uh, in what they're doing and their specialty that we're able to take advantage of having a lot of experts and a very well-built uh, kind of infrastructure providers in the space. But then where we get to have fun um, is that Richard is coding the actual app. So everything that you'll interact with on your phone Richard has touched in some capacity, right? Um, uh, he and our chief design officer, Carol Ann, are really building this thing from scratch. And so uh, we don't have to follow all of the, you know, things that you have seen from your grandma's bank that you just kind of inherit an account at, right? Like we're able to be very different and it looks different. It feels different. It's it's thought out for our people specifically. Mm. Man, oh man, I- I have so many questions. I'm going to ask this one in terms of the partner customer tribes. By the way, how many tribes are in the country? There are 274 federally recognized tribes. Uh, No, 574. I'm sorry. 574 federally recognized tribes in the entire United States. About 280 of those 574 are based in Alaska alone. So they're typically very small, like villages and townships. Um, Where we're based here in Oklahoma has 39 tribes uh, alone in our state. Uh, So there are definitely like different pockets throughout the country where these tribes are located, but really throughout the country, I mean, coast to coast, you're going to find amazing, unique special native communities. And each one has cultures that are unique to them and sensitivities that you have to be aware of before. I'm assuming you have the opportunity to go make a presentation. I'm just assuming this is kind of how it works. You would ask for permission. Well, first of all, you probably make a phone call, build a relationship with somebody uh, take the time to get them information to see if there's an interest. If there's an interest, they say, well, you know, here's probably what has to happen. You're going to have to make a presentation during a council meeting, possibly. And so walk me through how, how, if there's such a thing as the average length of time you think that would take to appropriately address each tribe's concerns, their interests, their timeline, um, and then you go to the next one. And keeping in mind that on the average, the, the, I think there's elections every four years or two years, whatever, as they rotate the council members. Share with me how all that works and where you're at in that process. That was a long question. I'm sorry. No, that's a long, it's fittingly a long question because it's a long process. (laughs) So, you know, every tribe is very different, as you said, Um, you know, when we're thinking about their election cycles, their processes, whether they have an economic development arm that has, you know, what, what authority that might have. Uh, whether they are actively looking to invest. We're also looking at tribes as investors and partners in that sense. Um, it's it's very different from tribe to tribe. You definitely have to spend a lot of time, as you described, building relationships, um, getting to know people, working through, uh, you know, even just building relationships is the key to every everything, literally everything, um, like all of life is pretty much about that. Um, but also, in addition to just needing that personal connection for partnerships like this to work, because they do take work from both sides. Um, it's very complicated from one tribe to another to understand who you need to be talking to. Um, you know, it might be this department at this tribe, it's something completely different at another. Um, you know, these folks may not even like the word tribe. They may want to be called a township or a nation or whatever. Like we, we have to, we have to know all of that going in. We have to be able to pronounce their tribe correctly. Right. I mean, all of these things down to minute details matter very much. And it's, it's a reason that we actually it's a, it's a, it's a big challenge, but it's also a big opportunity. So, you know, they say 
we only do the hard things. Well, those are the things that are worth doing. It's very similar here. So there is an abundance of opportunity working with these tribes, providing them with real partnerships that are based on mutual understanding and trust that is not working with like a chase or wells. I mean, I know people that work at those institutions and they're great for what they do for big corporate banking, but when it comes to building a tool specifically for the tribe's members, that's a very different relationship. If you're going to ask to reach into the lives of these tribal members, that's a huge responsibility and a huge trust factor uh, that you have to earn and you have to do all of the work to earn that. And so we're looking to partner really closely with our tribes, particularly the ones who are white labeling the app, not just to make sure that it looks and feels right, like they wanted it to, but to make sure that we are highlighting the right benefit programs, that we're talking about that using the language that, 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 that tribe prefers, that we understand how they're, uh, consent and governing processes work like so that we can give people the right information on what's coming up and what's next. Like you have to, to be clear, I don't want to scare anyone off, but like working with us, creating this white label is an exciting opportunity to build something really to build something as a tribe, not just farming it out, you know, not just like paying some consultant a fee to like come in and do something, but like to really create something that can be incredibly valuable to tribal members as just a form of economic participation, but also incredibly valuable as a method for that tribe to communicate with those people and have something to say, you know, like, this is how we're, this is how we can reach out to you. Um, instead of expecting on relying on you to like drive five hours to make it home for, you know, to, to get this PDF, to sign up for a form or, or to come to a website that is sometimes really difficult to navigate. Like we're going to come to you. We're going to use this app as a way to tell you what's important, what's going on with the tribe, what opportunities and benefits you have. Um, and at the same time, be providing a really, uh, helpful utility that people Mm -hmm. just need to participate as a modern person. This might be a dumb question. Is every tribe a sovereign nation? Is that a trick question? I think so. Is there ever a case where that's, is that a riddle? Is there ever a case where that's not true? That's why I asked, because I just wasn't sure. Yeah. No, as far as as I understand it, every tribe is a sovereign nation, um, particularly the federally recognized tribes, the 574 there. And with that, there are actually really amazing opportunities to do very cool things in the financial services space that traditional banks can't do. So we're also looking for tribal partners that have their own tribally chartered banks, because working with a bank like that could give us an opportunity to create entirely new financial products because of that sovereignty and the power that it has. Mm -hmm. Um, Thinking about the folks over in the Catawba nation doing the Catawba digital economic zone. um, If your listeners haven't heard of that, that's a great project that they should go look up. Basically the Catawba nation is using its sovereign status to create a new jurisdiction for forming businesses digitally. Um, And again, like amazing opportunity to put a bank on there and have it be regulated by that tribal sovereign, uh, have amazing opportunities open up to you. If you can, I mean, the sky's the limit in terms of what you can imagine that you could build if you had some degree of independence from the rest of the system. Where are you at? Oh, by the way, one of the reasons I asked that question, I said this might be a stupid question. When you were g- giving the detail that you just provided, and you mentioned they might want to be known as uh, a tribe or a nation, that's when I said to myself, there aren't other. And now I get why you said that, because even though they're all sovereign nations, they might want to be referred to as the tribe versus nation. I get it. But it was still a stupid question I had to ask. Oh, well, you can cut that out because I also rambled. I went off on a tangent there. <laughs> so. No, I know it's good information. But so, w- where are you at with the uh, reaching out, building the relationships with tribes? And second, so I'll ask that of you, Amber, and then I'm going to ask Richard a follow up question. Sure. So, we, um, 
are still in early stages. So we actually just incorporated in January of last year, and we're planning on having our accounts live in January of this year. So we are actively building the app. We go live in January. Similarly, we are actively having conversations with tribes. Um, So we know a little bit about how those processes work. Um, One really large tribe, we've talked to like half a dozen people, they brought in a business analyst. They created a presentation for the executive branch. Like that's how that process went. Other things are are much more uh, kind of straightforward. Like I'm traveling tomorrow to a different part of the state to, to have lunch with the chairman. And that's every bit as important of a step um, to working with that tribe as it is to, to have like some formal proposal created. But yeah, we're working through relationships um, and getting closer every day to to figuring out who's going to be the first folks to embark on this journey with us. Yeah. So, so Richard, I'll ask you a two-part question. The second part is actually in in January, what does go live mean? And then to lead up to that question, here's here would be the first part. Right now you have a website and and I think I even put my information in there. I, I think I went when we last spoke and gave my email address. What's happening right now with the website? Somebody gives their email address. And how does that connect to what go lives mean and let go live mean in January? Is that a dumb question? Or does that make sense? No, that makes sense. Uh, when you sign up on the website, you get put on a wait list slash um, what's the word I'm looking for? Tell me, Amber. <laughs> it's an email list too. You can tell us if you want our emails also. There you go. You get put yeah. on the email list and every month leading up to the launch, you get valuable information about what Totem's doing and just uh just kind of where we're at in the process and other uh, other things inside. I can't think of all of them right now, but there's several articles inside the list that, that just tells about the community and all sorts of cool things. So when going live, thanks, Richard, when going live January, it, it means, so here, here, here I am. White guy in North Dakota. I'm I'm not a, a tribal member anywhere, but I put my email address because I'm really interested in information, and I'm hoping that going live means that there'll be newsletters or information provided to me so that I can then say, hey, this is really something cool. I want to share this with you. You should share. Is, is, is that capability going to be available for me to help? Yeah. So in terms of what's available right now, if you sign up for the waitlist now, we are starting to send emails now. Actually, we sent our first one last month. So Mike, I'll see if you, if you didn't get it, I'll make sure you get it. You start getting it. Um, because those have really cool, just like tricks again, like the last one that we did was on utility assistance and the different programs that are available both federally and at a tribal, uh, level, um, for utilities. Cause it's summer and it's hot and all of our air conditioners are breaking. <laughs> um, and we also have a, like a section in there called natives to know where we're highlighting really cool indigenous folks. And then as Richard said, keeping up with what's going on with us, we're hiring when we're going live. Um, so that is just like a very simple once a month email that has just started going out. Um, Then in January, when we quote unquote go live, basically what that means is that we will slowly but surely start working through that wait list of people, uh, sending them an invitation to join Totem. And so you would basically at that time be able to go in, download the app, We'll give you your special waitlist code so that you can log in um, and set up an account with us. And again, there's no fees required to do that, uh, no minimum. So if even if you just wanted to set it up and you know go through there and read some of the benefits and articles that are in the app, um, you would be able to do that even without necessarily funding your account. The name. We want you to fund your account. We want you to move your direct deposit directly over into Totem, but you don't have to. <laughs> By the way, I'm going to put information regarding this on my website, mikeseminary.com. But what information should people, is it mytotem.app? It is mytotem.app, yes, at mytotem.app. And yeah, the wait list is on like every page of that, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so cool. you'll be able to find it. The name. 
what what names were explored and how did you decide on my totem? So it's actually just totem by itself, (laughs) but the website is mytotem.app. So it's kind of confusing. Uh, But yeah, so the name is just totem. And uh, it was really interesting because we basically what we want to do with this app is help our people kind of redefine the narrative about Native Americans and money and what that interplay looks like. Um, so totems, totems are a thing in a lot of cultures, not just native cultures, but all around the world. And no matter where you find a totem, typically its job is to tell the story of the people that it's representing. So a traditional native totem will often tell the story of a particular clan or family and who the members of that are and, and, you know, the feats that they accomplished to, to get that family or clan to where it is today. Um, we want to do the same thing, but in helping to rewrite that narrative. So there's a lot of stigma around native Americans and money, um, and poverty. And a lot of people think that we just, you know, can't manage our money and that's why we're all unbanked. And, um, you know, that, that we all just like, There's a lot of really negative things that I'll not even give space to right now, Um, but we're looking to use our platform, use the amazing things that our account holders are doing, um, and really use the products that we're creating to tell a new story around that. So Native Americans have a really amazing and beautiful relationship with money. In fact, Um, we're very entrepreneurial people. So many Native Americans are small business owners or people that are solopreneurs doing a side hustle, um, making beautiful things in the world. Uh, So many of our people are really generous. Gifting is a huge part of our culture. I mean, there are so many things that are very positive about how we interact with and share money and use that to lift up our communities. And so we're doing things like creating a charitable giving app where you can give to other Native causes um, in the app. And um, even just things as simple as being able to send money to relatives, right? Like we're, we're trying to be really intentional in how we build all of that and how that app comes across in the world is really what we hope will, will help. Basically, we want to be a totem to help our people tell their story of their relationship with money, not as something that is capitalistic and extractive, but as something that can be used to lift up our communities. Mm. Man, oh man. Richard, how can listeners of Mike Seminary and Friends uh, help you in your efforts? What would you like them to do? That's a great question. Just, I guess, support Totem, um, spread the word, and also, we're hiring, so if anybody out there is looking for a job, uh, <laughs> reach out to us. Yeah, we are hiring Fast and Furious. He's completely right about that. Um, we're also on Twitter, at BankWithTotem. We'll eventually get our TikTok up, TikTok up and running. Don't go there yet, but it'll be the same thing, at BankWithTotem. Um, the waitlist is on the website. And if you're a tribal leader in particular, we would love to talk to you. Not even, you know, even if you don't see yourself white labeling the app or becoming a customer, we are like sponges right now. We're taking every call that we can to learn from our tribal leaders and people that have been in those government roles, um, people that understand how benefits are dispersed and um, you know how what what we can do to help make that process easier, cheaper, um, you know, a little bit decolonized compared to what it was before. You know, if we can fill in any of those gaps, we want to learn how. And so, yeah, we're just very, very hungry for um, conversations and so, and and learning and and hearing the perspective of of the people who have built these amazing tribal governments. Um, We just want to serve them. And so for those folks, uh, you can email me directly. I may regret this, but uh, the email is a b. A is an apple, B is in boy at mytotem.app for Amber, uh, founder and CEO. We definitely want to hear from you. No, you won't regret it. You might want to give out your cell number. Now that you might regret. <laughs> that I might regret. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you this question. If you had a magic wand, you could wave over the heads of 
non-Native Americans. And you want them to know more about the challenges that our Native American brothers and sisters experience when it comes to um, the financial world. What's the one thing you'd want them to know? Can I help you answer it? Well, I have one. I was going to let Richard go first. Oh, okay. <laughs> go ahead, ahead. I'm Amber. still thinking about my. Go ahead, Amber. Sure. So, um, if there was one thing that I could help our non-native brothers and sisters understand, that was the question, right? About yes. kind of natives and finance in our situation. Yes. Um, I think it would be kind of going back to the name of totem and what I was just describing about the fact that we actually have a very beautiful culture when it comes to money and commerce and we treat money differently, but with, but, uh, but with a, I think perhaps in sometimes a greater respect for its capacity to do good. Um, and so I would just say that like, you know, just because we are currently unbanked does not that mean we'll, we will always be that way. Um, that is changing and solutions are solutions like ours are obviously like what we hope will make that, that situation very different, but ultimately like we are special, but at the root of it, we're no different in terms of like, we all have jobs. We all manage a budget. I mean, we're, we're actually no different, but we have had a lot of disenfranchisement and poor treatment from certain institutions and systems in the past. And, um, when we are given options to work within the system with folks that are less extractive, I hope our bet is that, that we will do it. Um, so yeah, I don't think that it's necessarily a lesson about, you know, I, I don't know. That that's a very complicated question, I guess. Even yeah. for me, that one's a difficult question. Like, particularly with the audience being so specific. Like I would say that to anyone, whether they were native or not native. I think that a lot of us have our own uh self-perpetuating inner dialogues about our own ability to deal with money and participate in the system on an equal footing. Um, you know, I, I had to change a lot of my own narrative about that, um, intentionally and with effort and work. And so, um, yeah, I guess we all have our hangups about money and we're trying to make an app that makes them a little less hang up-y. <laughs> yeah. I think it was a great answer. And it I probably put you on the spot there. I didn't mean to. And I don't want people to think that uh, when I asked the question, it was about being judgmental. It's more, and Richard, if you want to weigh in when I'm done here, please do. It, it was more for this purpose. Gosh, none of us are qualified to judge people. None of us. And we just have a tendency to do that um, in many sectors of, of our life, in many, many cultures. You know, and if, if we haven't walked in that person's shoes, we just have no business even expressing an opinion, right? There are 11 million open jobs right now in this country. And we have so many able-bodied people that can add great value to whatever the uh, endeavor is or, or the environment. And we have uh, um, put certain segments of our population in positions where uh, they become more challenged because of the systems that we put in place when it comes to pursuing this wonderful thing called the American dream. And we shouldn't be doing that either. I I just am so excited about what both of you are doing. I'm so excited about the future. I'm particularly excited about how this is going to change how people feel about themselves, feel about their place, feel about their future and their opportunities. This is, I believe, a game-changing endeavor that you both have. 
embarked upon. And I'm so excited that you joined me today. Richard, did you want to answer that question or did you think Amber did okay? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll throw in my answer. Um, I would say if I could wave a wand, <laughs> I think my wish would be that rewind time and they look through my eyes and my shoes and grow up how I was brought up and they can see why that we're doing this, why we need this app. And I think that would give them, that would give you a clear vision of why we're here. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, what, what, else, said. what else do you guys <laughs> want to add? Just, we're, by the way, I'm going to circle back and maybe a year after the launch or maybe somewhere in between, we're going to come back on. I want to talk about how it's going, success stories, excitement. Would you be willing to come back on? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What else do people need to know about you? I don't know. I think we wrapped it up really well, uh, talking about where people can find us, how they can support us. Like Richard said, spread the word, um, sign up for the wait list and let's, let's go decolonize banking. Oh, I love it. I love it. Richard, Amber, thank you so very much for joining me. Thank you for what you're doing. It is so cool. I'm so excited to follow your, your progress and I'm going to, I'm going to probably bug you from time to time, just to send you a text and tell, tell me how it's going. What can I do? Hey, it's not a bug. This is Mike seminary and friends. We're, we're <laughs> friends. So you get to do that anytime, Mike. Okay, this has okay. been a pleasure. It's been a treat. Hey, have a no, great day. You, oh, well, it's my pleasure. Appreciate you so much. My totem.app is the website, but the business is called totem. That's correct. Thanks for clearing that up for this old guy. No problem. Chippies and let's Take care. Thank you. Thank you.